Hello, welcome to the Human Revolution. Here we are today. We have uh, Carlos with us today. Hello, hello. How are you doing? And we have Javier behind the scenes uh, working with uh, technicalities. Hey guys, IT guy here. <laughs> and uh, well, today is the last episode of the season. Uh, I think that, well, uh, we need to, to make a stop to then uh, recap a little bit and see how things have been going. And then, in the near future, come back with a second season. Yeah. So today, Carlos, uh, I think that the interesting thing to talk about is about... For example, we can start with this, okay? <laughs> Which was, in your opinion, your favorite episode of the podcast? Um, I mean, from the ones that you've been here recording or from in general, I don't know. All right, yes, because I was going to say it's different to think about with the ones I wasn't not here than mm -hmm. the ones I was here. Um, the one we did the uh, with the uh, yeah the one we did with Rebecca about uh, environmentalism basically that mm -hmm. was I think the one where the whole conversation flew the most mm -hmm. like we had very good flow with between each other and we had good points and counterpoint I don't know maybe it was the one I had the most fun fun I would mm -hmm. say mm -hmm. uh, yeah if I had to pick one that I, that I have fresh in my in my mind that would be the one. <laughs> Okay, I mean, for me, I think it would be the one with Tony, perhaps, because, um, how to say, like, uh, we talked about things, I mean, we talked about innovation, this kind of things, in a way that is not usually talked about, and perhaps it's in a much more honest way than what it is in general, no? like, talking about what is behind the scenes of innovation, because you see a lot of news, a lot of films, a lot of TV series, a lot of bullshit, uh, but in the end, I think that there are a lot of uh, parts uh, of innovation, like we're recording this on a Saturday, we're all tired, mm -hmm. and it's because, well, I mean, we need to make it this, this project compatible with, with other things that we do in, an, in our normal life, no? So I think that that's part of the struggles of being part in a startup, that people don't talk uh, about them, no? But it's, it's the real part, and I think that with Donny, we talked a lot about that thing, uh, but how important it is to to have time for yourself uh, with all the suffering of, okay, like in the end, like is this about money? Is this about your ego as a person? Or is this about trying to give something to the people, no? And uh, in the end, the conclusion for me is that, of course, like when you when you realize or when you assume or when you believe that this is, something that you are doing because you want to give the people something, mm. you want to give value to yeah. people's lives, then there's a lot of sacrifice uh, yeah. on the go, no? And, yeah. well, our sacrifice a little bit today, no? But it's yeah. not a, a big sacrifice <laughs> from my side, yeah, I have yeah. to say, but, yeah. but still, no? So, yeah, you remind me of an expression that, uh, yeah, you guys are going into context sports, but I am, uh, <laughs> that is called embrace the grind. Okay. There is this idea that uh, to be a to be great at something you have to grind a lot, yeah. and it's not about being necessarily super creative and super magical and super talented. You need those things too, but also it's just doing the little work every day, even mm -hmm. when you want to quit. Yeah, it's like show up to do the work every yeah. day, little by little, and sometimes you fail and fail and mm. fail, and you keep going and you keep getting grinded by the machine or by the training or by whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so embrace it. I mean, enjoy it while it lasts because it won't be forever, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. And I think that's what we're doing here right now. We're embracing the grind. Uh, 
Yeah, and and like I don't know, like going after a purpose that I think that we all believe in, and that it's worth our free time. You know, if we can say it like this. But but I don't know. I like that conversation for this reason a lot. I I have to admit that I also liked a lot the conversation with Rebecca. I mean, and with every single guest, like I yeah, think they were they were like super like. I know we have a lot of guests that uh, we couldn't have in this season. Yeah. But there's like some other like super interesting people that will be with us in the second season. Honestly, yeah. that we are like we already have a guest from their side, and it's only like getting the date and recording the episode. So that would be super exciting next season. Um, but with Rebecca, for me, it was like, I don't know, like very interesting, like the experience of a person that perhaps it's not like a, an influencer or anything related to to environmentalism, but it's a normal person in which you can see yourself reflected that makes um, some choices about her life that truly have an impact on the world. Yeah, just like that we, we could all have a conversation and we were, none of us is an environmental expert, mm. uh, but we could all manage to have an idea. Uh, we all have our different opinions and different approaches and solutions. Well, solutions, let's say, like potential ideas for a solution. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I found that kind of entertaining and because uh, we all, we, we three came from completely different backgrounds in a yeah. way. You're, Engineer, philosopher, mechanical scientist. She's like, what was it like? Media management. Media management. Like completely different people in the walks of life. Completely different countries too. We're all from completely different nationalities. Sometimes we have not the same nationalities in the show, but we have people that tend to have a lot of commonalities in background. Like, well, Mm. we three here right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For example, like we share a language. Um, That's a a good example. So it was nice to see people like completely different and agreeing on many things, disagreeing on other things and just having a good time because sometimes, uh, not so much here, but I've done interviews and I work in things like this and and, then before and it's a bit difficult sometimes to get people to talk Mm -hmm. and to have a good conversation with you um, and you don't know what to do then and Yes, uh, how do you engage uh, a crowd? How do you engage a person to give you more information? And uh, it was nice to not have to dig or anything. Not that we dig here at all, but um, of course there are people who are more uh, excited about being part of a podcast than others, I, I, yeah. I think. And it's nice when everybody's very excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and very compromising. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah, yeah. And I would say that also, another one that I liked a lot was the one about the freedom of speech. That was one that we recorded, Javier, you and I. Yeah. It was yeah. in the very beginning. I think it was the second yeah. one or the third one. Yeah. And for me, it was very interesting because, I don't know, it was like, um, I don't know, I think that we talked also like things that when I've, when I've listened to podcasts or any program about um, freedom of speech, the internet or anything, like perhaps they're not talked in this way, never. And I think that it was, I don't know, very, very interesting, like different points. No? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, I, I guess that one is also in my top, but I wasn't into many, though. But so <laughs> it's not like I have a choice, but it's because it was the first time ever we did this. So that was yeah. kind of exciting. It was the first day recording. No? Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I think it was the second podcast, though, right? Because the first one was about the metaverse. And the first one was about Kose and the social Kose, yeah. Then was the, the about the metaverse, and yeah. then it was about the... Oh, my God, we've made so many of this already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that one... Of those three, I would say that one was my favorite. I think we all felt a bit more comfortable with what we were doing. And also, 
it's a subject that is so trendy now. Yeah. It's been forever now that everybody's thinking about what is what is the limit of freedom of speech, if it has to have a limit at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And if it has a limit, is it really freedom of speech? Ah, yes. Yeah. Uh, or is it just asking for attention, you know, like a desperate yeah. call for attention? Yeah. Perhaps, I mean, I, I do, like, honestly, I do feel that sometimes it's about a call for attention, like, on the internet. Like, you, as we said in the podcast, and, and we, we elaborated a little bit more on this, that you can say whatever you want. Another thing is that perhaps, like, depending on the platform, you're going to get banned, but on the internet, you're going to find a place for sure to to commit even crimes, you know? That's, yeah. that's when we went into the deep web thing and so on. Yeah. So, I mean, saying that the internet is not free, well... That's, yeah. that's Sometimes I also have the feeling, and this is my subjective opinion, I have no science here, that it's like, there's freedom of speech, but people want to be listened. Hmm. And... There's no, there's no obligation to be listened, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. Like, you can have an opinion and boast it around, but that doesn't mean people have to listen to you. Yeah. As, as rude as that sounds. No, but it's, yeah, no matter, but I completely agree. I mean, um, I think it can be arguable or, like, something to maybe, like, research on or perhaps, like, try to dig a little bit on, on to what extent when you don't have the right to be listened do you have freedom yeah. of speech when you don't have the right? But it's uh, but here, like I think that in in the current situation of social media, it's not that you don't have the right. It's something like maybe fuzzier, fuzzier, and I don't know. It's a rather unclear thing. I mean, yeah, you know? exactly. And perhaps well, that's where the debate can be. I would say. Yeah, like you have the right to express yourself to some degree, but uh... you don't have to have the you don't have the right to be influential if you yeah, exactly. think certain things. If that's good or bad, then that's like a super like yeah. intense moral debate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then then you can be here like for hours and then yeah. But to, I, to I always remember um, maybe he was a philosopher, Umberto Eco. Probably mm-hmm. you had, yeah. he had this this joke that he said like social media gives voice to idiots. <laughs> uh, but what he meant was like when, back when he was young. Yeah. Every town in Italy or where he was from had an idiot in the town or an imbecile who had very unpleasant opinions. Yeah. So he would just go to the bar, get wasted, and said all the you know unpleasant, intolerant things he had to say, and everybody was like, ah, fine, shut up, okay, and they move on with their lives, and that was it. And he mm-hmm. would come every weekend and say something yeah. stupid, and but he didn't have a platform, a platform to become, you know, yeah. the next big thing. And now guys like that have the option to become the next big thing in TikTok mm. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And that has its pros and cons, I guess. I mean, they have the right to have an opinion, but it's also... It's problematic when you have people who are, like, promoting things that are dangerous. I don't know. They're trying yeah, to radicalize anti- people, you know. Yeah. Or antisocial, like, promote Be- antisocial behavior. Yeah, from... exactly. Eat Thai pots. That was a thing back in the day, right? Eat what? Thai pots. I don't remember that. Well, this is, we are too old for that. But like a couple of years <laughs> ago, three or four years ago, there was a trend between the youth of eating Thai pots that were like basically like, uh, you know, uh, what's the name of that? Uh, soap. Okay. To wash clothing. Uh-huh. And it became trendy because somewhere, mm, some, really? somehow an idiot made it cool to eat these things online, you know. I might be lacking information, but these are the general facts. Like, yeah. And as you know, eating soap is bad. Yeah, I think that yes. I mean, remember when Trump said that you should drink bleach? Yeah, yeah that is irresponsible. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's always like I think that it's a, a not concluded conversation or debate about what gets to be illegal on this side. Yeah. Like, I mean, like 
what point you like in what point it's justifiable to ban i mean of course if you're saying uh, go out there and kill uh, all the black people in the yeah, street of course that should be illegal i mean that's obvious but then there's when you keep advancing and advancing then it gets to a point in which you have to put a line and where to put the line i think that's yeah extremely that's super, complicated, that's super difficult know? yeah and um, really and you know, like to what extent it's the problem, or it's the it's the, um, the like the responsibility of the platform of the internet of the people. No, because I mean, in the end, I think that I think we mentioned it. Like in the end, like if you can you can create the best social network in the world, but then if the people that you get into the platform, they're like very toxic. Yeah. And so on, like it's going to be the shittiest place in, in yeah. the internet, no matter what, no? Yeah. So uh, there's also like a social dimension to things yeah. in which the internet is not, let's say, like, yeah, the, like responsible or a constructor of behaviors. Yeah. But uh, it's just like it's a speaker. There, no, oh. It's never been done because right now so much of the platforms promote this douchey behavior. Mm-hmm. But I'm also very aware that nudging has its limits. Like, uh, how much can we nudge people's behaviors online? I don't know. Yeah. Because the what I was explaining to you guys the other day about cognitive biases, like marketing companies exploit that all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's because they go like with the flow. Yeah. But if you try to, I don't know, swim against the stream, it might be a bit more difficult. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's ever been tried. I guess that's what we were trying to do here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, yesterday I was talking with an ex-Google. And he was telling me, he, he didn't dive into details, but he said, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, they have the capacity to to steer people's opinion. And they knew inside Google, for example, ah, he explained me this. This was fucking incredible. Okay. He told me that in Google they know, uh, like, if they put you certain videos in a row and it's seven videos uh, they know that there's a super extremely high probability that you get into a far right group so they have that information they they know that if you, if they put to you to javier or to me these seven videos in a row the probability that i get into far right uh, extremist uh, group whatever it's like maybe 80 <sighs> percent I'd like to see more details about that. Not, yeah. that, not that I'm skeptical, but it's just... No, no, uh, it would be super interesting to get to know. I mean, what are these magical propaganda videos that can create an army so easily? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm surprised that they are not in hands of more radical groups already. I mean, but you, you see in Europe how, like, the rise of the far, left, the far right? I mean, of course, like, I would say that the... It's not that... But they're, they're, that they have a probability of, of like, accuracy... Of ninety percent, but if it's forty percent or something like that, let's yeah. say no. But, but that's very not. But I would say, like in most places, it's if we didn't have a multi. I'm not attacking the multi-party system, but if mm-hmm. we didn't have a multi-party system, they would not exist. Probably they would not have enough people to build a fifty yeah. percent majority. Even now in Italy, they're part of a convoluted coalition, and mm-hmm. then they're they're not close to the kind of rule. Yeah. And since it's Italy, probably nobody will be ruling in six months. <laughs> Yeah. You know that there's been given the situation lately for sure. There's been like 70 governments since 19, since 1945 in Italy, so they have an average of a, a government per year. Yeah. Well. So then yeah, I I wouldn't be too stressed. They they'll have a different coalition next year at this time. <laughs> no, but I mean 
I don't know. I would say that there's a lot of sketchy things happening with, with freedom of speech, but I would say that in general, like, man, like, we're not going to get banned for saying these kind of things, for example, no? So I would say that there's a, a big freedom of speech uh, room for freedom of speech on the internet. And I don't know. I like that podcast a lot, honestly. I think that another one that I liked a lot, I think that was the one with... Uh, well, the one with Mireya was very interesting also. Yeah. I think that it's... Uh, I think that when you listen to that podcast, it's like getting like a new perspective of, of things to some yeah. extent, no? Like a new perspective of what is technology, how can we build technology, yeah. and this kind of stuff. And I think that it's very... Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Like maybe for us that we are a lot into the, into the mood, no? Like into the, yeah. this humane technology... Yeah. movement and everything but I think that from the outside it's wow it's like oh man yeah I like that I, I like that podcast a lot too uh, it was more like I don't think I'm that uh, informed about the subject mm -hmm. as maybe you two were so I could have interesting insights and so on uh, but this idea of like this is almost like new way of business building mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not a business person so uh, yeah it's uh, it's more work for me, and and maybe that's why I felt like uh, this was fun. But I'm learning here more than and then contributing like a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, I tried to contribute from my own perspective, but I felt like I, I wanted to listen more what you guys had to say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I don't know. I think that this thing of humane technology in the end is like the roots of that <clears throat> of that conversation or that debate is on on psychology and philosophy, etc. Like. It's like perhaps like the other way around, no? It's instead of business and then these other things, it's these other things and then business, yeah. no? So I think that that's also like the interesting part of the conversation. If yeah. I, no? So the like what are the limits that we put into philosophy, psychology, etc.? And then once we have the limits clear, then we create a business within that frame. No? Yeah. So it's interesting they say that because there was uh, this is like vintage psychology, uh, <laughs> the father of behaviorism and scientific psychology, uh, B. F. Skinner. Uh, he he wrote a couple of books and they were basically saying like the greatest challenges of the humankind in this in his back in 1960 and mm -hmm. still today uh, because he died in 1990 so he kept saying that uh, are not technological are not uh, medical are not uh, they are psychological mm. and it's like uh, climate uh, pollution. Back in the 60s, they already knew how what to do. Yeah. But there was a psychological resistance mm -hmm. to change. Uh, inequality, you know, between different kinds of people, you know, like discrimination, racism, and so on. That's a psychological problem. Absolutely. Uh, now, climate change. The technology to change is there. Mm -hmm. I mean, or at least to start doing something. But yeah. there's psychological resistance. Mm -hmm. um, and... Many other problems that we think about are actually psychological problems they've done is the fact that many people are in positions where they don't want to change things. Mm -hmm. And his whole work was about how do we get people to change? But it's not that easy, of course. I mean, yeah. It's very retro. <laughs> but all the technology that you see in the internet, all this behavior manipulation and marketing, yeah. it's based on his ideas. Yeah. Uh, I didn't of, know. Yeah. What, what, what was his name? Uh... Well, we call him B.F. Skinner. You can call him Skinner. He's okay. the father of reinforcement and conditioning. Okay. You know, this idea that, for example, is so elemental mm -hmm. uh, that, um, for example, sometimes 
uh, if let, let's say you're you're playing uh, a game, mm -hmm. and sometimes you get a reward, yeah. but sometimes you don't. Yeah. And sometimes you do, yeah. and then don't. Candy Crush, yeah. or or or, uh, or even easier, a casino. Yeah. That's intermittent conditioning. Mm -hmm. He developed this system. I mean, ah, he was, was him. I mean, he he discovered that animals were more pro, more likely to repeat behaviors. If sometimes they got rewards, sometimes they didn't. Okay. okay. Uh, he discovered, for example, that animals have superstitious behavior. So he will put these pigeons in a box, a Skinner box, mm -hmm. and they will have to click, and then they will get food. You know, to click to a, bo in a yeah. bottom. Okay. So they will click, and they will get food. So that will promote the idea that the the, the pigeon will learn to you know hit the yeah, the bottom. Okay, uh, but he also noticed that since he started to give them this intermittent conditioning thing, that sometimes they click, they got something, sometimes they they didn't. Some pigeons started to spin around. What? <laughs> yeah, they developed this superstition, the pigeon superstition, that they thought that if they spin around, they will get food. Really? Yes. So uh, that was an idea, like when people sometimes attribute, like when people hit the knock on wood. Yeah. And they think that that has some kind of help. Yeah. That's a superstition, right? Yeah. And sometimes it gets rewarded and sometimes it doesn't, right? Because uh -huh. sometimes you knock on wood and good things happen. Sometimes yeah. you do and bad things happen or nothing happens. So it's an intermittent <sighs> behavior. So that's the su pigeon superstition. Oh and it's also very used. Mm -hmm. um, all the idea that we can, uh, that we learn behaviors through reward and not punishment. That was his discovery. Like humans and animals respond much better when they're rewarded mm -hmm. and not when they're punished. Because if you punish animals or people, they will evolve to try to avoid the punishment, yeah, not the reward. Mm -hmm. So, for example, criminal systems that are built in punishment, they don't work from, from the start. Like It's very like, unlikely they will work because they violate this principle that people respond to incentives, not so much to punishment. Mm -hmm. I, I have a funny example of my family dog. Okay. The dog loved the sofa, <laughs> okay. so we just jump onto the sofa, but of course... It, she was banned from doing that. Uh -huh. So what would she do? Because every time she would jump into the sofa, she would get scolded, punished, whatever. Uh, she would wait for us to get out and then jump into <laughs> the sofa. And then when she felt the door was opening and we were getting back, she would get out of the sofa. Okay. And nothing happened. You see? She avoided the punishment, yeah. not the behavior. Yeah, yeah. You see that all the time with kids and with criminals also. Uh, of course, there are limits. Yeah. Now we are in a cognitive science, you know, uh, paradigm in, in psychology, and we want to know exactly what's going on, not just like garbage in, garbage out, because that's kind of how this yeah. behaviorism system works. Uh, but for companies, they don't give a damn. They just no. want, they they just want garbage in and garbage out. And do, if they do we do we improve the no. the revenue this quarter? Yeah. Okay, let's fucking go. So what are people thinking? We don't really care. But if they do what we want yeah. them to do, that works. Trial and error, no. Yeah, exactly. So you do this testing when you say A/B testing, when you mm -hmm. test a million things over and over until something works. Yeah. And until you get the that's why sometimes I tell you like, what is the exact amount of like reward to uh, nothingness ratio to get someone hooked on something? Well, mm -hmm. that depends. Yeah. Depends on the people you're praying for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> depends on their age. But they will do so many tests that eventually they will get yeah. like, okay, this niche of people, they get hooked after 20 trials. Oof. Yeah. And I'm probably this with the right one, the, 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 the far thing, right yeah, thing. It's like, right okay, we know that this group of people they have a, if they, in 80% chance, they have an 80% chance that if, after they go through this conditioning process, they will mm. be hooked on this shit. Um, 
But it's very individual. It's very, very individual. And I mean, you cannot do it as, at scale, but maybe, yeah. I mean, with the enough scale to... Yeah. And this works to very change s- the result yeah. of an election. Like, maybe you cannot make the far right uh, yeah. no. win, but you can make them go from 5% to 15%. Maybe. It, could, it could be, but also uh, the limits of this kind of technology is that it works for relatively simple things. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, click buttons and... But, it, but isn't voting super simple for the majority of the people? Uh, the thing is, why, like, why do you vote? The because thing is because that he's adding, handsome, because she's pretty, yeah, this kind of stuff, you know. But adding to change is a bit more complex, like to change people's attitudes towards something. That's also another field of social psychology mm-hmm. that is super old. And the easiest way to change people's minds is to get them emotionally engaged. And now yeah. you see, like, everything makes you, sense, everything's emotional, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like everything they're trying to sell you is very emotional, right? Yeah, they yeah. don't tell you what the product is, they just yeah. want you to love them. And they don't sell whatever. you a car, they sell you the feeling of being the man in the car yeah. that can control his life, yeah, 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 yeah for example. Uh, they don't sell, or the same with the elections, right? They don't, they don't sell you, like, we're going to. To I mean, they don't like they don't know a, a like a result sheet you know like they they're not saying yeah. we're going to lower the taxes ten percent and then we're going to increase the the spends on whatever sheet ten yeah. percent that's boring blah 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 blah, blah. Yeah. that's boring we're going to fight for your freedom yeah you know that uh, sells and that's it because uh, I I remember once like of course there are uh, there are levels like for example I'm from Latin America and. Everything is very emotional in politics <laughs> there. It's excessive. It's so excessive that it used to be like Latin Americans would watch American debates and they were like, oh my God, they are so well, pre- so mature, so well prepared. Yeah. That's how bad they were in Latin America. Wow. And I remember that they would like, I would see these debates from, you know, Obama, Bush, uh, Romney, uh, Al Gore, very long time ago. And they were discussing budget issues. And mm-hmm. I'm like, when I was younger, also presidents do that. <laughs> they can actually discuss budget. Of course, there were a lot of bullshit also yeah, and, yeah. and fallacies and uh, deceiving arguments, mm-hmm. emotional things. But they were at least discussing numbers. There were money, numbers somewhere. Distributions that did not exist where I no. grew up. No, it was just completely like selling. It was marketing, just marketing. Yeah. But then, okay, my question is, like, is there any, like, way back from here? Like, is this just the, the sink of, uh, so, of the society? We're just going to be forever here in this emotional whatever place or what? Well, so interestingly, um, despite what people feel that the world is becoming more irrational and stuff like that, uh, there is an increasing use of rationality, let's say, in mm-hmm. our everyday life, in our decisions, and even the way we speak. Yeah, I remember I had a colleague that he was, uh, he's a, yeah, he works in computational linguistics, and they were trying to assess how certain expressions have changed in the last two hundred years, and they realized that the language is becoming less and less emotional, actually, more mm-hmm. detached, more rational, mm-hmm. more specific, uh, more detail oriented, like more engineer, like no offense, <laughs> no, 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 like a manual, you know, like making yeah. a manual to describe things and. It's difficult because we're we. This is something that historians always say that you are born in your time and you think that's that's the history of humanity. Yeah, the end, the yeah. end of everything. But you had to understand that times before us were even even less, more intolerant and 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 less coherent. Like, yeah, uh, I like literature a lot and, and classic literature. So sometimes I read this thing and think like people believe some things in the old days. <laughs> 
uh, that I'm like, oh, well, I'll, I have to give it a pass. But the, yeah. like their belief systems were so incoherent and so yeah. irrational. Yeah. Uh, and everybody was completely fine with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think, no, we are actually kind of, we could do worse. Mm-hmm. We could do better, but we could yeah. do worse. And so I don't think we, we necessarily have to become more and more irrational. It's more like... The real question is, like, can we change these biases and these like, impulses that we have? Mm-hmm. Or do we have to manipulate them towards yeah. a place? Because you could always say, like, okay, we're going to do the same as companies do, but for good. You know, we're going to manipulate people into being environmentalists, wow. yeah. being nice. You know? How sketchy is that, no? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's the cynic, cynic argument. Yeah. It's like a, a discussion I used to have with my friends. My very I'm going to manipulate you, for, but for the good. Yeah, Don't yeah, worry. For a good reason, yeah. My very... <laughs> Marxist friends, I do have some Marxist friends, yeah. and they were all like, you know, we had to eat the rich and stuff like that. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, we can eat the rich and all that, but historically, that has not worked well. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it kind of work one day, but the precedents are not the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I told him, what we have to do is a marketing strategy <laughs> where we convince <laughs> the rich to vote against their own interest. Well, the way the way they've done with the poor in many yeah. places, that no, they have, yeah, but they have convinced them to vote for their own interests. Yeah. And how do we do that? Well, we manipulate them, and they were like, "That's just cynical." Yeah, but do you want a solution or not? <laughs> I, that's the only thing I can come up with. No, right no, now. no. But it's absolutely true, no. And I think that, I mean, it's, I don't know. To me, to me, it's very complicated to think that someone is entitled to do those things. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah of course not. Like. But, you know, like, people are doing something wrong, like, as a collective, like, uh, as a social group. Yep. But then, like, it's like, this is a moral debate that I have internally, like, a lot, like, every single day, honestly. Yeah. Being the CEO of a social network that we're going to launch the 31st of October, by the way. That's a good yeah. plug there. Uh, I have a lot of moral debates myself, and... I find it like very complicated. Like, okay, if if I, if I see that there's like some toxicity in there, or like people are doing the wrong thing, to some extent. First of all, like, um, am I going to consider that the wrong thing is my opinion or our opinion at Cosa mm. of what is the wrong thing, and that should be like, you know, the rule? Uh, should we just say, you know, bro, like this is a fucking like private company, our our company, our rules, you know? Or should we, like, you know, like for me, this is a very like fuzzy, uh, in a specific, unresolved place. You mean as in, like, to have this level of responsibility if it's morally right for a company to have it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know who is the right uh, entity, person, etc., to be the one to lead the public opinion and lead others' ideas and have, I don't know, like, the right, the be entitled to, you can call it as you want, to change others' opinions. You know, like Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King, and Adolf Hitler, mm. the three of them, they were leaders of the society and they steered people's opinion to one place or the other. Uh, is Gandhi a nice person for that and Adolf Hitler a bad one just because of the outcome of that? Or is there something before that that we should take into consideration that, you know, bro, like Gandhi is a human being like you and me and he's no one to 
tell people what to think about life, you know? And that's that's perhaps like the, the moral question before. No? Isn't that a, a school of moral philosophy, the consequentialist versus the intentionalist? Like, what, I, I what think, matters? I think that, like, yeah, I, I've never, yeah, I've never dived into that. Yeah, because that, I think yeah. what matters, some people think what matters is the consequences of what, yeah. what you do, yeah, not yeah. your motives and your methods. Yeah. And some people say, like, no, no, the motives and methods also matter, hmm. uh, regardless of consequences. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So... This is very common in politics, too, because mm. in politics, people will tell you, like, well, I don't care about what he did or what she did, but the consequence was this. So who gives a damn about yeah. the intentions? Like, I actually had this discussion with another Marxist friend. <laughs> um, yeah, was kind of trying to... He was trying to defend Mao and the Great Leap Forward. I don't know if you're f familiar with that, but he, Google it, and it's pretty gruesome. It was a very bad decision taken by the Communist Party back then yeah. in Mao's China. And I told him, like, yeah, he killed, like, millions of people, dude. And he was like, no, but he did it out of incompetence, not because he had the bad intention. Yeah. Of, like, he didn't purposely kill them. So this, this, this and this other guy are worse. And I was like, yeah, I don't care, man. You know, I'm consequential. <laughs> it's like he, yeah. he took stupid decisions. That I mean, and China now is a super rich uh, superpower, no? But not thanks to that. <laughs> I mean, but you can say, yes, but I mean, I'm sure that there's some. I mean, Germany is also a powerhouse. That, that, you know, like, because the, we did this sacrifice, then the country and the nation now is a super. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Germany also did a lot of sacrifice. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and it, and, and I, you can see. I wouldn't say like, oh, it's thanks to that that now Germany. Yeah, no, no, me neither, me neither, yeah. honestly. But, but uh, you know, like there's, I don't know, and that and that's that's for me the risky part of the debate, and that's very good, like outlined there that it's when you start thinking about the consequences of things and you start to morally analyze the consequences of things. Yeah. Like, then nearly everything can get justifiable, you know, because you say, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm manipulating people. I'm using my YouTube, uh, Facebook, uh, yeah. Kose, whatever, to manipulate people's opinion, but I'm doing it for the good, you know? And, bro, you're a fucking engineer. Who are you to do that, you know? <laughs> and, and, that's, and when you start, when you, like, engage in the moral debate of the consequences for me, I don't know how to get out of there, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you could always say that if it's not us, who's going to take the decision? <laughs> there's nobody to take no, the decision. No, there, and there's laws, and of course there's like a legal frame and everything, which we we have to comply. Mm. And that's, um, I would say, and that's that's the right thing, I would say. The right thing is that we are not as a private company, like, you know, anarcho-capitalism and uh, strong anarcho-capitalism, that there is like a legal frame that is the one that sets the rules and not us or any other company to some extent and then of course then then there's like the legal debate on how these companies social networks and so on yeah, they, yeah. you know like you know laws and this kind of thing well they don't care about them you know yeah i i, yeah, I just find the idea of an anarcho-capitalist company already a contradiction <laughs> because we are a company with a hierarchy and that's like Literally the opposite of an anarchy. Yeah, no. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, but I think that, that, yeah, I mean, I think that an approach to that is that laws, at least, well, this is my opinion, that I think that the approach to that, to that thing is that laws should be, well, first of all, like, uh, created within, like, like, a democratic setting, like, in a parliament, in a healthy democracy, and so on. That's the first step. And then, like, create rules that are fair with the people and that find the middle ground between the power of companies, between the 
power of the government, between the power of the people and everything, and try to set some rules in which, you know, like, I can set some rules on my company, on my social network, to have, like, a positive impact on people, to be more inclusive, to be more humane. But then, on the other hand, do not surpass some red lines. I'm not going to talk about, like, bad intentions. I mean, let's, go into assume, let's assume that, you know, Meta, YouTube, no one has bad intentions about things. Um, that I'm very sure that in, in, they, I mean, I I would I would agree if they if they told me that they don't have bad intentions. It's just like, you know, we have to make this money or this kind of stuff. You know, like it's like the same thing. So when there's uh, some vigilance from the government, from the laws, you know, that should be impartial. Um, I think that's a, a good approach. Uh, it's not the solution, but it's it's a good approach. You know. Hmm. But how these laws apply on a digital world that still governments seem to be a little bit behind. That's well. That's a legal thing that I have no idea. Personally. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to dive into that debate no, because no. I don't have the the necessary knowledge to to Can't have. You this, get a this lawyer legal. about these things in the next season. <laughs> no, that would be very interesting. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Right. So well, um, I don't know. Um, we are. We have passed the thirty minute mark, and <laughs> I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to, to stay here for hours, but, well, this is the last episode of the season. We have to leave it here. And, uh, well, it would, this was maybe like a little recap of things, like how yeah. I felt, you know, behind the scenes of things, how Carlos felt behind the scenes of, of every podcast. We, as always, invite everyone to keep on with, with the conversation. Mm. Very soon on Coset, 31st of October. If you go to cose.community you can join the waitlist there and be the first ones to try the alpha version of cose like it's going to be for now just a closed alpha to try things get the first people inside get feedback and so on so if you if you any of you that are listening to this want to be part of the new era of social networks and help us build it uh, be part of the of its construction in the end no Join us. Join the waitlist, and and the thirty first of October, you will, you will have the first. No? Yes. You will be the first to to try. Be a pioneer. Made <laughs> us all happy and better. See marketing. <laughs> Your marketing plug there. But anyway, uh, very interesting season. Honestly, I'm very. You know, like we started the podcast because we saw a microphone here in the recording studio at Kirich Innovation. Yeah. And it was. Why don't we do a podcast? <laughs> yeah, it was like we used some microphone. Like, look, a microphone. And, do a podcast. And you were like, yeah. And one week later, we had three episodes recorded. And it was like very improvised. But, you know, like in the end, we have, I think that if you see the last episode compared to the first one, like, man, it's like a completely different world. Or at least I personally lived it completely different. It feels different, yeah. It feels very, very different. And we've had super interesting guests, like honestly, Ahmed, Mireya, Rebecca, Donnie, like all those conversations were extremely interesting, extremely interesting people that came here. It was amazing. It was amazing. And we will have a, a second season very soon. We will improve things. We will invite new people, have new conversations, and keep on talking about how can we create businesses that, you know, yeah, this is a business. They have to make a profit because I want to pay the best salaries that I can have the best conditions for my people but 
How do we create a positive impact on the world? I think that it's possible. I think that's, um, I don't know, a different way of making businesses, even like a different conception of capitalism, if we can say it like this, that is possible, that there's a lot of people working towards that all around the world. And that I think that it will be, it's like the next frontier of the 21st century. The humane technology, humane business, the inclusive uh, ways of working in a company, inclusive cultures, inclusive, um, I don't know, marketing campaigns, everything. No? And that's what we are working on in COSA. That's who we are. And that's what we wanted to bring here to the podcast, who we are, what we believe in, and the future that we dream with every single day. You know? Yes. So that's maybe my, my last reflections for this for yep. this first season. And with that, uh, thank you, Javier, that you're here. Thank you, Javier. Thank yeah. you, guys. <laughs> Sorry for being in the background. <laughs> no worries. No. Thank you. Thank you for helping with, yes. with everything that you are, well... The real MVP. The real MVP. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And thank you, Carlos, for, for everything this oh, season. Thank you. It's been a blast. <laughs> and thank you, everyone, for listening. And see you very soon. Bye-bye.